stretched out his left arm, palm up, smile unshaken. I swear by my baptised hand that I come in friendship. Now it was Johnny who yelled, And will you leave the same way? Bessie sighed. She could feed twelve more if she cut the beef in smaller chunks, though she wasn't sure where the men would sleep. She leaned over the wall. Leave your weapons at the gate and cause no trouble and you're welcome to the feast. She turned to go back down the stairs, ignoring Rob's glare and Johnny's raised eyebrows. The meat wasn't cooking itself while you three dunderheads traded insults. I'll not have Johnny's wedding spoiled by the likes of him. Carwell had spoiled things aplenty already. Carwell forced himself to smile while his men handed over pikes, swords and crossbows and entered the tower's courtyard. Disarming was no risk. If a Brunson wanted to kill you, he would be sure you had a sword in your hand when he did. And Thomas Carwell was a man who always calculated the risks. He might be unpopular, but he was alive. So he'd smile at these people and celebrate this wedding without pointing out that the marriage of John Brunson and Kate Gilnut could put him in a very, very difficult position. Bessie Brunson stood in the courtyard, the stern set of her chin less than welcoming. Tell them to eat no more than their share. Rude words for her soft lips, but he let her insult lie unanswered. I'll hold you responsible she had told him. Apparently she blamed him still. He blamed himself for things she would never know. The smile strained his cheek muscles. We'll not make ourselves gluttons. He had a moment's sympathy for her. His own castle had room aplenty these days. He could have housed legions of unexpected guests but the Brunson Tower was built for strength alone. And Bessie Brunson, red-haired and small-boned, looked as if she needed its protection. The light brown eyes that studied him brimmed with suspicion. It was no oversight that you weren't invited. Despite her woman's delicacy, she was as blunt and stubborn as the rest of her kin. Good way to get yourself killed. But I wanted to celebrate with you, he said, to congratulate John and Kate. That, and to deliver a message her family would not want to hear. Her raised eyebrows and crooked frown suggested he had not fooled her. So do that, she said, and not else. He tipped his head in thanks, as if she had the right to dictate to him. She'd discover the truth soon enough. As she glanced toward her brother, a smile finally touched her lips. They deserve a long and happy life together. Aye, he said. Something his marriage had been denied. Despite, or because of, the extra guests, the celebration that began at midday went long into the night. Ignoring the ache between her shoulders, Bessie looked over the crowded halls, satisfied. Drinks still flowed, singing had begun, and with the addition of Carwell's men, they attacked the last barrel of red wine her dead father had taken from the church for safekeeping after the priest fled to Glasgow.
They'd cleared space for dancing and the bride and groom skipped down the row together. Though Kate was still more comfortable in breeches than the skirt she wore, she floated beside John, mirroring his movements. The men began singing the new ballad they had composed about her. Braw Kate, they called her. Kate the Belled. Kate, laughing, tripped over her skirt and leaned against her smiling husband. Bessie looked away. The room was filled with men she had known her entire life. Odd Jock, Fingerless Joe, the Tate brothers. And not one among them could make her smile the way Kate smiled at Johnny. A good day, said Rob next to her. It was not simply for his dark hair and eyes that her oldest brother was called Black Rob, yet even he was smiling.